Hello, and welcome to the On-Premise IT Roundtable, the only podcast that dares to be both on topic and on location. My name is Tom Hollingsworth, and I'm a part of the Gestalt IT family. I handle networking, security, and wireless. And today we are here with a group of wireless and networking experts to talk a little bit about an ongoing idea or a thought process, if you will, that's happening in the IT community. But first, I want to take a moment to introduce our guests before we get to today's premise. Keith? Hi, the name is Keith Parsons. You can find me on Twitter at Keith R. Parsons and my website's wmpros.com. All right, JD? Folks, Jonathan Davis here. I'll go by JD. You can find me on Twitter at subnetwork and my website is subnetwork.me. Jason? Hi, my name is Jason Bashara. You can find me at Jason Bashara on Twitter and I'm not cool enough to have a website yet. All right, and Mitch. Hi, I'm Mitch Dickey. Um, I'm at badger underscore phi at www.badger-phi.com. All right. Thank you very much for joining us today. Let's get to this episode's premise. You probably have heard a lot about IoT, the Internet of Things. Um, if you haven't, then you must be living in a very unconnected rock. Uh, there's a variety of devices that are slowly redefining what we consider to be the new edge of the network. But IoT comes in a lot of different varieties, from home thermostats to large milling machines. And there's a lot of different categories that they fall into. But one thing that seems to be universally accepted is that IoT uses the cheapest radios that we can find. And the not cheapest radios that are out there right now are the brand new radios that use six gigahertz connectivity. You probably have heard it referred to by its marketing name of Wi-Fi 6E. So what I'd like to do today in the premise of this episode is discuss, does IoT need Wi-Fi 6E? I don't think so. But I have a feeling that Mr. Parsons is going to disagree with me vehemently. So Keith, take it away. I, I don't disagree with you. I agree that there's no reason in the world that we should be running IoT in the six gigahertz range. Like you stated, we have very inexpensive chips. Will a guy like this? is IoT. You plug it in, you say, hey, Alexa, do something, and she'll do it for you. It's IoT. It's on the internet, but it's cheap. And because it's cheap, it uses 2.4 only radios. So why would we need to put these devices up in this beautiful six gigahertz range we have coming next year? So I, I think there's no reason at all for it. Uh, we could shut this off right now. So, so well, if, I heard, uh, if I heard that correctly, that sounds like uh, take your cheap IoT and get off my lawn. Is that is that what, I, what you heard, Tom? That, that sounds very similar to it. And I think maybe what we need to start with here is we need to define what IoT is. Because like I kind of laid out in the, in the opening, which, by the way, was, was a little bit of a setup. Most people, when I say the term IoT to them, they think home thermostats, uh, connected refrigerators, smart power plugs. But when I talk to companies that manufacture things like uh, like Aruba, for example, they'll tell me that IoT is more than just consumer grade equipment. IoT can be things like medical devices, like insulin pumps or cardiac monitors. They can be uh, connected milling machines. Uh, they can be any device that sends telemetry back to some kind of a central location. And and Mitch, you and I were talking about this before we did the uh, the opening of the podcast. Uh, IoT is maybe something different to everybody. Why don't you go into that just a little bit from your perspective? 
Yeah, I mean, sometimes I like to think of IoT as IOC, and that's Internet of Crap sometimes because of <laughs> those things, uh, having such inexpensive radios and stuff like that. And I I've said it before, I've written about it a little bit, but it's just sometimes these guys that are good at making refrigerators or boilers or what have you just aren't good at doing Wi-Fi, and they don't even care to be. So I don't know. I think there's different classifications of them. <clears throat> I think IoT could be put into different buckets. Um, obviously, medical telemetry is a lot more important. And I think those guys actually do put time, engineering time, and design time into making sure that they are compliant and are high quality, as opposed to things like what Keith has or, um, you know, just little things that you put on your network. Uh, I think there's different classifications of those things. And I, I think we've been spoiled a little bit because we're in the wireless world. And a lot of our customers think they, they need network connectivity for things like boilers or whatever that just have very low data rates, turn on, turn off, let's synchronize all the clocks in a school kind of thing. And yet, yet the rule that we've been teaching for decades is if it's fixed someplace, wire it. If it's mobile, go wireless. And so I, I think a lot of people have lost that because bringing cables is a pain and expensive. So instead they say, well, let's just go wireless. I agree. And I, I mean, to be honest, I think, I think the complexity is kind of an afterthought, almost like Wi-Fi is almost like a um, entitlement now, you know, they just take it for granted that, you know, oh, I'll just throw it on the Wi-Fi where it'll work, you know, just like we do, just like a regular consumer would do at home. A lot of those people don't put a whole lot of thought into what they put on their networks because they just assume it's going to work. When you start putting that thing in an enterprise, especially a critical place like a hospital or any kind of environment like that, there's other steps you have to take. So a lot of those things that we just take for granted because it'll just work at your house and we call it an internet of things. I think it's, it's got to be different when you're putting it into a place like a hospital. And I know I'm using that as an example just because those things that ride the network in situations like that are way more important than whether or not my light bulb in the hallway goes on. Yeah, but I, I think, I, go ahead. I'm just going to make a comment and ask Mitch if he's seen this. Some of my K-12 customers had me install Wi-Fi and make it work for PoE-powered wireless devices. So they already ran the cable for the power, but there was no Ethernet connectivity, only Wi-Fi. <laughs> so okay. <laughs> so we tend to use school or we tend to use medical facilities a lot as a, an example because there's a lot of connected devices there now, whether it's an MRI machine or an insulin pump. But let's use schools as an example because I have a little bit of background there. Would you consider a smart board to be an IoT device, or would you consider it to be infrastructure? Mm. Um, ooh, that's a good one, man. Um, Why do you have to differentiate? I mean, is a, is a client's iPad infrastructure or the AP, is it infrastructure or is it internet? You still have to connect to the AP even though it's providing an infrastructure. And that's a good point, Keith, and, and I'll, I'll let Mitch add his thoughts here in a second, but part of the reason why is when you look at the existing definition of what IoT is, it's adding connectivity to formerly connectionless devices. Whiteboards never needed to be connected to the internet before. Now, they have projectors attached, they have the ability to project all kinds of different things, they have the ability to do a number of things now that they're connected. 
So technically they would be IoT devices under that strict definition. But most people wouldn't consider them IoT. They would consider them classroom equipment, like a cart full of iPads or like an access point. Uh, Mitch, you, you want to jump in? It, uh, yeah, I mean, I think a, a smart board or something like that is more of like an endpoint device. So I guess you would consider that IoT and not infrastructure. Um, I don't know. That's a pretty simplistic answer, I think. But I, I guess it could be argued different ways. Um, probably that would require more thought than what I can give you right now, right off the top of my head. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to give Jason a chance to jump in here because Jason, when we were talking earlier, you said, you know, you've been doing IoT even before they called it IoT. So you probably have an interesting perspective on this since you've seen a lot of different permutations of it. One of the things I want to go back to what Keith has said is if it moves wireless, if it doesn't move wired. But in, in my verticals that I've worked in, uh, specifically power and oil and gas, you know, the, the cost associated with getting infrastructure out to some of this instrumentation or these IoT devices is, is quite cost prohibitive, right? I've, I've had fiber runs and cable runs that exceed thousands, tens of thousands of dollars. So wireless becomes a really attractive medium at that point in time for those devices. Now, we've used 802.154 for the longest time now in doing some of these sensor networks, whether it be wireless heart or ISA 100. Uh, One thing, so I'll I'll jump in here because I actually have a question directly related to what Keith opened the the podcast with when he was agreeing with me, which I thought was kind of interesting, is that why would I want all this IoT junk in my pristine, beautiful six gigahertz band. But part of the reason why we consider the 2.4 gigahertz spectrum to be junk right now is because it's overloaded. There are only three channels that we can use unless you get creative, in which case you're not really getting creative, you're causing problems. But when you look at how many channels are available in six gigahertz, all I got to do is put a slightly better radio in my IoT device and we can all coexist and be happy and, I mean, run 20 megahertz channels until the cows come home. So why wouldn't I want to take newer devices and move them into that spectrum where there's more room to do things and basically leave 2.4 for the scavenger dime a dozen radios? When, when we all, often when we think about IoT, one of the things that we're, we're discussing is we're talking about devices that send small amounts of data uh, you know, telemetry streaming, things along those lines, right? So it's it's generally not a lot of data. There are, of course, examples like smart boards where you may have HD video feeds or something. But but largely, when you're talking about that Wi-Fi connection, you're talking or or that or that uh, IoT connection, you're talking about small amounts of data um, being sent, you know, consistent uh, consistently. Um, and and so when we begin looking at um, what does a device manufacturer need to do to get a device on 6E? That, that new radio, right, uh, gives them access to a new band uh, for a lot of expense, but it doesn't really solve any problems for them because, again, they're sending small amounts of data, um, and, and they don't, so they don't need a super fast connection. They don't need an extra wide channel width. Um, generally, we're talking about saving, conserving power rather than um, you know, uh, tr- uh, high throughput. So, so for that reason, I think what we're going to see for, for quite some time, the only quote-unquote IoT devices that are going to make that hop to, this, to 6E will be those devices where there's some benefit, like a smart board, right? Smart boards, because of the video streaming, because of teleconferencing with Zoom and, and everything else, there, there's a legit, legitimate benefit for them to make that hop. 
But for a lot of these devices, um, there, there's, there's minimum benefit because the throughput they need is measured in kilobits per second. And, and they sometimes, and, and generally they're not very latency uh, sensitive. And of course, just the, the nature of Wi-Fi and, and the na nature of the, the, uh, the acts, we know that that data is gonna get through, right? So I think that's an important thing to consider when we talk about OT and 6E. Okay, so I think a lot of this will be, it, it might be this easy. The people that actually um, want to invest in high quality equipment are going to use the 6E radio, whereas opposed to the people that want the cheapest thing, the internet of crap people are going to pay for the 2.4 radio. I think it's just going to weigh itself, you know, it's going to, it's going to balance itself out. I think people that like like medical devices and stuff like that that rely on a much reliable reliable connections devices that are calibrated, you know, they're probably going to put dollars into radios that are better as opposed to people that are putting two point four radios in the light bulb in my hallway. So, so the other important thing to remember there too is it's not just it's not just about accessing a new frequency spec, right? That six E uh, spec also has additional security requirements. So, so, so there's a lot of additional processing on top of that, and that that again goes back to those those devices that are low powered, and and it's all about extending that battery life. It's 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 very unlikely that we're going to see those anytime soon. And I think uh, just to follow on what JD was saying, I think there's an additional piece of physics that we're missing here. 2.4 gigahertz waves are bigger, so they travel through materials a lot easier. So 2.4 waves travel further. Now I know they don't exactly, but the net result is six gigahertz and five gigahertz have a more difficult time going a long distance, especially through buildings. 2.4 is really easy or easier to go even further. I suggest we start talking more about IoT going the other direction down to Halo down to the 900 megahertz range where we can have even larger bubbles with fewer access points that fit the need. IoT, for the most part, is low data rate, uh, low battery life, and so let's give them something that works really well in that range. Like JD said, six gig is more complex, more requirements, more security, more processing power. It's not just the radio, it's the CPU and everything goes with it. So uh, yeah, that's a very good point. I mean, things that require such low, low data rates, why can't we utilize those things down in lower frequencies? I, I, I wholeheartedly agree. Just like Z-Wave is down there, I think what's, what's that in the 800 megahertz or 900? I'm, I can't remember for sure. Um, but I think that that's the way to go is put those things that require such low data usage down in those lower frequencies, let them travel out a little bit further as opposed to those higher frequency stuff. You reserve the higher frequency stuff for more throughput. Well, I'm sure Jason's been working with uh, Hart and the other things that have the 15.4 stuff that have entirely different protocols that don't require as much connectivity in real time as Wi-Fi. The 807 protocol is made for something different. And, and that's exactly correct, Keith. And, and to, to touch on something you said earlier there, uh, going to 900 megahertz, I mean, you could remember the days of symbol 900 megahertz frequency hopping systems in warehouses, right? You could cover a whole warehouse with one or two of those guys because, again, 900 megahertz is less attenuation. So, if, to me, if you're pushing kilobytes of data, it, it really makes sense to move backwards into that frequency. 
Okay, so let's think about that for just a minute, because I, I kind of want to, this brings up a topic that I was going to touch on. One of the things that we think about when, like JD brought up, is IoT is kind of optimized for certain kinds of transmission patterns. Low data rates, bursty, save power, uh, you know, maybe regular updates, like we're going to pull this device every minute or every five minutes or something like that. But we're used to working with that kind of constraint, if you will. So if we move down to 900 megahertz, now we have a different constraint. We have different you know, bandwidth patterns. We can send further, but maybe we have to send less data per, per transmission or something like that. Or when we move up to six gigahertz, now we suddenly have more data that we can send in every cycle. So perhaps we want to send more information or maybe we want to do it a different way. Uh, I, I can think of like, you know, personal video devices are probably going to be a huge consumer of this. But it also has parallels to me of basically kind of like the, the video game industry. Uh, when you when you wrote software for a Nintendo cartridge, you had limits. You You couldn't make the thing do any more than you could and when you move to the next platform you had different constraints you had you know you, things you used to think you could get away with now you can but when you move back down into that realm now things don't work anymore so is this a situation where IOT kind of has to stay where it's at right now because of the way that it's been designed or now that we have more capabilities could it be that we're going to see radically different IOT devices that couldn't work in the way that we broadcast things in 2.4 for all these years. Well, I think you, you brought that up at the very beginning that maybe we just need to have different categories. Internet of things, anything can fit in that category. We have low RAM that goes kilometers, but super, super low data rates, year long batteries. We have other needs where the batteries only need to last for a couple of months, but we only need to go in hundreds of meters. We have other things that need to go very short distance like an AR, visor, you need really, really high bandwidth, but only need to go three or four meters. So I think we need to think about the categories and then apply the right radio and protocol that solves that problem rather than lump them all into one. Okay. I can see that. So, and we've kind of already done that by saying, you know, there's, as, uh, as Mitch put it, the IOC, the internet of crap. Uh, versus, you know, something more like, you know, I keep hearing the term industrial IoT, which is really more involved with, with uh, you know, uh, emplacements on a, on a shop floor or something like that. But maybe we need a category of something like, you know, commercial or enterprise IoT, which is, you know, a device that is designed with more, you know, power requirements in mind or is going to be sending video to a device or, you know, has different characteristics that would allow me to slap a six gigahertz radio in there or, you know, something like that. So, do we need to push back against the IoT vendors and say, okay, you need to come up with a classification system. Do we need an IoT alliance to help us figure this stuff out? You could. The other is, uh, you know, the security, the, the joke about, you know, where's security and IoT in the acronym? It's not there. It's not right. in the products. We, it's not secure at all. So there, there's a whole other layer of how do we secure these devices? And like we saw last week in uh, Atmosphere Digital, that, there, that that vendor, is, Aruba, is looking at saying, we have really, really stupid, not secure devices. Can we make the infrastructure add a layer of security around that? And other vendors are doing the same thing, assuming that the IoT vendors aren't going to play along. Yeah. Um, I, I wonder, too, to, to maybe to speak to your point a little bit, um, what we're starting to see, too, in the industry, uh, it, it actually, it, the name is is... It tells you exactly what it is. It's the Connected Home Over IP project that Apple and Samsung and 
uh, Zigbee and, and, and various uh, organizations are all part of. And I think this may be another one of those examples where we're going to see the tail wag the dog, where uh, as those products come to market and as they have the security built in, which is, is one of the, the, the tenants of their, um, uh, you know, of their project, um, we're going to start to see um, dark, more, more dark IT involving these types of systems. And that's going to force more enterprise to begin um, kind of building and, and managing systems and, and designing for them, just like we did for iPhones and iPads. And just, you know, prior to that, even to be completely honest, that's the way wireless got started in a lot of enterprise environments, right? People were like, well, why can't, why, why can't I have Wi-Fi? I've got the, the Wi-Fi Intel uh, was a Centrino chipset in my laptop, I'm just going to bring in this Linksys and plug it into the network, right? So that's in a lot of, in a lot of enterprise environments, that's how Wi-Fi started. And I think we're about to see that take place again with IoT. And, and, and the good news is, is I, I feel like we have the right players in, 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 uh, in line um, with that, but I believe that's probably going to become a very strong market. Um, the, the, the other kind of note about that, and people need to begin paying attention to this is, most of the IoT protocols and, and, and connected home over IP is one of those, um, rely on six low pan, which is directly, it's exactly what it sounds like. It is, an, it is IPv6. And there are a whole lot of enterprise and, and commercial networks out there that, that still do not have any type of IPv6 infrastructure in place. And while, it, while there are some gateways that are going to do that, you know, six to four or four to six uh, NAT translation, um, it's also something that's going to have to be thought about more on the, on the, 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 the land. Because we know, you know, we, we see it with, with Microsoft and, and a lot of other places where um, you're providing land connection. It, it, it will configure IPv6 for itself and it will run over your land, uh, you know, and, and in this case, it'll run over the wireless network uh, with that IPv6. And so if you don't begin um, actually building an engineering for that, that could be another one of those caveats and another one of those uh, sticking points that, that we begin running into. All right, so I think we've kind of come to this determination that, that it really depends on how you classify IoT. Some things would be better served in other places. Some things can use Wi-Fi 6E, but maybe they shouldn't. Um, and that we're, we're probably gonna see an explosion in this area as new devices come online to take advantage of what's available. So here's the thing. Do you expect in the next two years to see some IoT device using Wi-Fi 6E, Keith? Most definitely. There's uh, the range of the medical devices, the devices that need to put HDMI signals or 4K signals over a fairly short distance. Yeah, it, it, it makes perfect sense when you need that high bandwidth. Uh, but I think that the lower range things are going to stay down in 2.4. Jason? Do indeed, uh, I agree absolutely with Keith. The the higher bandwidth, lower latency devices we're going to see start to trickle into the 6E. Uh, you know, I still have uh, light switches here. Uh, I have IoT devices that run on 2.4 and 5 gigahertz. Uh, I actually am looking for the adoption of some additional space in the 5 gigahertz range for some of these IoT devices as 5 gigahertz becomes cheaper. Mitch. Yeah, I agree with them as well. Um, I think, uh, I think, like I said earlier, I think some higher, higher end stuff will probably use the higher quality radios just because there's 
better engineering and better design put into the products going back to like the medical devices again i think i think those are the types of things that you're going to see using things like that as opposed to just the like i said before the light bulb in my hallway yeah. and jd uh, I believe I, I absolutely agree with what everyone said here. Um, those high bandwidth, low latency uh, IoT applications are definitely going to, we'll definitely see that move to 6E. Um, I am a little bit more pessimistic than, than maybe Mitch is there because what we also know is often when we have new chipsets and that, that equals new drivers and, and sometimes features aren't fully implemented correctly and uh, you know bugs come along. And what we know, especially from medical devices, but but really a lot of IoT uh, environments that those are often not updated as often as they should be. So it, we'll have to definitely keep our fingerprint on the pulse of, our finger on the pulse and, and ensure that um, that we're aware of not only you know the those devices that are, that need either driver or firmware updates uh, just to operate uh, efficiently and correctly in that space, but of course also uh, with IoT there's that security component in ensuring that those devices are staying secure. And I think that really kind of sums it up really well for me. We, this is inevitable. We're going to see this, not because it's the best choice, but it's because it's the choice that consumers are going to want, whether they're consuming things for their house or things for their enterprise. They're going to want more bandwidth. They're going to want more capability. And they're going to want to do more with what they have. So ultimately, I think we're going to see this as 6E, Wi-Fi 6E becomes a more uh, available deployed technology, as more people start to adopt it, we're going to see this. But it doesn't mean that it's going to be the only method of communication. I expect to see a lot of new IoT devices crossing the entire spectrum. And who knows, maybe things will look a little bit different in a couple of years. That should just about do it for this episode of the On-Premise IT Roundtable. Thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, if you want to check out this episode or possibly even back episodes of the podcast, please make sure you head over to our website at gestaltit.com slash podcast. You can also subscribe to our feed in your favorite podcast application of choice, or you can check us out on iTunes. If you do uh, subscribe to us through iTunes, do us a favor, leave a rating and a review that helps other people find the podcast and it helps them learn more about some of the great premises that we discuss here on a regular basis. But for myself, Tom Hollingsworth, for the guests that we have on today and for the rest of the Gestalt IT family and community, uh, we wish you all a great day and stay tuned for more great on-premise IT episode discussions. <laughs>